Thank you for choosing to listen to the Emmaus Radio Ministry Podcast. Each of these messages were given by various faculty, staff, and friends of Emmaus Bible College. To view each series as a whole, or for more information about similar Emmaus ministries, please visit concerninghim.com. That's C-O-N-C-E-R-N-I-N-G-H-I-M.com. Welcome back to our study of the gospel according to Matthew. We are in chapter 4, and we'll be looking at verses 1 to 11 about the temptation of the Lord Jesus. From the last time, we talked about how the Holy Spirit has come down and has rested upon the Lord at his baptism, and this is, uh, starts his, his earthly ministry. Now, we are then interested to find out in chapter 4, verse 1, what's the first task which the Holy Spirit has given the Messiah to do? Um, what great act is he to perform? And it's uh, surprising, to say the least. Um, The Holy Spirit does not lead the Lord to the sorts of places that often we wish the Holy Spirit would lead us. We're in chapter 4, verses 1 through 11, and after I read the text, we are going to think a little bit about the background of, of this. What is the significance of him being in the desert and different approaches to understanding the temptation scenes? And then we'll look at each one of the temptations in succession. So let's start in chapter 4, verse 1. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And when he had fasted forty days and forty nights, afterward he was hungry. The tempter came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But he answered, It is written, One does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and placed him on the pinnacle of the temple, saying to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you, and on their hands they will bear you up, so that you do not dash your foot against a stone. And Jesus said to him, Again, it is written, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. And he said to him, All these I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. And Jesus said to him, Away with you, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him, and suddenly angels came and waited on him. Several different uh, backgrounds have been proposed for how we are to understand this uh, interesting temptation scene. The the very presence of Satan himself uh, soliciting a human being to succumb to temptation has reminded many people of uh, the Garden of Eden and the serpent that is there tempting uh, both Adam and Eve. And if that is the correct background, then the idea is that Jesus is like a second Adam. He is the one who has come and passed uh, Satan's test. Uh, There really isn't a whole lot to commend that kind of reading here, just from the perspective of the Gospel of Matthew. It's a little bit more likely if we're considering Luke's version, because in Luke's version, uh, which also occurs in 
chapter 4, we are following right on the heels of the genealogy. And unlike Matthew's genealogy, Luke takes us from Jesus and goes all the way back to Adam, who then is the Son of God. So Luke has just taken us all the way back to Genesis chapters 1 to 3, and so it would be more likely that that sort of a background is there. There's nothing quite like that here in Matthew. Instead, the proper background for Uh, The proper conceptual background, at least, for understanding the wilderness temptations is the people of Israel in the uh, the desert. Matthew has gone out of his way again and again to draw lines between Moses and Jesus and to connect lines between the people of Israel and Jesus. We think of the way that uh, there was the slaughter of the innocents in which Pharaoh slash King Herod has killed a whole bunch of baby boys in order to get at God's chosen one. Uh, We can also think of uh, the mention of coming up out of Egypt and um, some of the echoes that we looked at in earlier sessions. But besides the uh, way that Matthew has prepared us to understand the Lord Jesus and drawing connections between the Exodus event and Christ, uh, there are two main things in our actual text which suggest that the wilderness is the correct background. Uh, One is the obvious uh, feature of him being tempted for 40 days. Um, That would echo the 40 years that they had in the wilderness. And of course, the wilderness is there as well. Um, But the thing that clinches it for me is where the Lord Jesus quotes in each of his responses to uh, the devil. In each one, he is either quoting from Deuteronomy chapter 8, which is the first response, or in Deuteronomy chapter 6. And that will become clear as we proceed through. Uh, The first temptation that Satan offers is... uh, as Jesus is out in the desert, and so Satan says, If you are the Son of God, command that these stones become bread. Now, this is kind of a tricky one. Um, Jesus obviously is hungry, and we might wonder, well, what's really so wrong about uh, turning stones into bread? Uh, after all, this, is, this seems to be in a whole class apart from, uh, if you will fall down and worship me. Uh, This is something that at first doesn't strike us as um, all that wrong. And yet this is exactly the issue. Uh, If you are the Son of God, and if you have the Holy Spirit, if you are God's chosen one, well, use it for your own advantage. If you have been just endowed with all the powers of heaven— and the uh, unrestricted access to the Holy Spirit, use it to make your life a little bit easier. At issue here is what kind of a spirit-endowed Messiah will Jesus be? Is he the kind of person that we read about, like in in later um, gospel accounts, uh, alleged gospel accounts, in which Jesus is doing things like working in the carpentry shop with his father, and he zings aboard a little bit too short, He cuts a board a little bit too short, and then he uses his magical powers to make it a little bit longer. Or he's playing with some boys, and he makes a clay pigeon and then turns it into life. In contrast to all of those later descriptions of Jesus, that is not the way the Messiah works. He does not have the Holy Spirit to make his own life easier. That is entirely not the point. God has led him into the wilderness, and so he will do God's work. Uh, Now, it'll become clear, if you're familiar with the story of Israel in the wilderness, that they didn't respond so well to God's instruction, that they didn't quite learn the lesson from the manna. 
Now, God had provided manna for them very graciously six days out of the week, and on uh, and on Fridays, he provided them double, so that way they would have enough to eat. But here, the Lord Jesus is in the wilderness, and we could think of it this way. He has it even a little bit harder than they did. In fact, a lot harder, and that God has not provided him bread at all. And yet, he will learn the lesson that Israel did not learn. He will succeed where Israel has failed. It is as if Satan has said, I know this story. We've gone over it again and again. People eventually will start to doubt God after the times of trial begin, but yet the Lord Jesus is a completely unique character. Satan then continues in his uh, crafty ways by tempting the Lord Jesus to throw himself down. There's a uh, setting change here, and he's just up on the pinnacle at a very high point of the temple. Now, some people have used their imagination to pretend or to picture all sorts of people waiting on the streets below, and they could imagine Jesus falling down and then an angel swooping him up from heaven as if this would somehow impress the crowds. That, that picture may be there, but it's worth pointing out that there's nothing like that going on here in Matthew chapter 4. Instead, the idea seems to be something like this. Um, if you really are the Son of God, then throw yourself down from this pinnacle of the temple and put God to the test. Make him prove himself that he really does care about you, that, uh, that you really are his Son. Now, at this point, it's worth just pausing and, and noting something uh, about the Greek. Um, what we have here is called a first-class conditional. Um, sometimes this could be translated something like, since you are the Son of God. However, there are all sorts of different uh, exceptions to this rule, and it's far from a hard and fast pattern. But generally, this is the way we could understand it. Since you are the Son of God, uh, make God demonstrate himself to you. Now, the Lord Jesus responds by quoting Deuteronomy chapter 6. So again, we're going to go back and look at Deuteronomy, but we're going to read the larger section, and by doing that, we're going to uh, get the background for this temptation and also for the next one. Deuteronomy chapter 6 is a really famous part of the Bible. Uh, Just for the sake of time, we won't read the whole chapter, uh, but this is where the famous Shema is, Deuteronomy 6.4, which the Lord Jesus says has the greatest of all commandments. Um, Deuteronomy 6, 4, and 5. But let's start in verse 10. So it shall be when the Lord your God brings you into the land of which he swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give you large and beautiful cities which you did not build, houses full of good things which you did not fill, hewn out wells which you did not dig, vineyards and olive trees which you did not plant, when you have eaten and are full... Then beware, lest you forget the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage. You shall fear the Lord your God and serve him, and shall take oaths in his name. You shall not go after other gods, the gods of the peoples who are all around you. For the Lord your God is a jealous God among you, lest the anger of the Lord your God be aroused against you and destroy you from the face of the earth. You shall not tempt the Lord your God as you tempted him in Massa. You shall diligently keep the commandments of the Lord your God, his testimonies and his statutes, which he has commanded you. And you shall do what is right and good in the sight of the Lord, that it may be well with you, and that you may go in and possess the good land of which the Lord swore to your fathers, to cast out all your enemies from before you, as the Lord has spoken. 
Now, I read this section kind of in bulk in order to stress this point. Uh, this passage is talking about being faithful to God in the desert or in, in the wilderness and also being faithful to God when they have all their land and their stuff and their buildings and life is going well for them. Now, Deuteronomy 6 points out that they didn't do so well when they were tested at Massa in, in the wilderness. And he's warning them, when you go in and things are easier for you, uh, don't forget the Lord there. And knowing a little bit of uh, the history of the people of Israel, we know that that's exactly what did happen. The Lord Jesus is saying here that when he is in the wilderness, he will not fail this test. And uh, even when he is in Jerusalem, he will not fail this test. No matter what the circumstances are, he will be careful to do exactly what God has said. Now, one of the tricky things about Satan's temptation is that he himself quotes the Bible. A, a little, this is something that kind of scares me as somebody who teaches the Bible for a living. A little bit of Bible knowledge can be a terribly dangerous thing. The difficulty here is that Satan quotes this verse uh, out of context. The idea is that God will protect his people as they carry out his will. This is not a license for people to um, make God do certain things. Our job is to trust God and he will, be, he will bring provision at the right and appropriate time, which doesn't always happen to match up with our, uh, our calendar. Now notice that the angels do make another appearance here in this story. At the end, after the Lord Jesus has uh, faithfully stayed true to God, it is then that God sends angels and it is then that they minister to him. And the word minister here is a general word, but in this context of hunger, it seems like it's uh, that they are providing him with something to eat. Jesus had to wait for the right time for God to intervene and provide for him. Again, Satan's temptation is, if you are the son of God, then use that for your own advantage. But that is not the way Jesus works. His role is to faithfully serve God and God will take care of the results. He doesn't, Satan offers him the kingdoms of the world, but Jesus knows he already has that. This temptation will be repeated again at the cross. If you are the son of God, come down from the cross. But even then the Lord Jesus knows his job is to faithfully serve the Lord and God will take care of all the consequences. And this is the savior that we admire and worship. And this is the savior whose example we follow. Thank you for listening to the Emmaus Radio Ministry Podcast. This ministry is possible because of the generous contributions from our partners around the world. For more information about partnering with us, please visit emmaus.edu partner.